The following episode contains strong language, mentions of drug use, violence and suicide. Discretion is advised. Conversations on the Margins is a Go Loud original podcast. Staring through the windows of my soul At a scratched up mirror Trying to see a little clearer And thinking about the things that I know Trying to decide, do I stand or do I hide? In Wefield Prison in the Education Centre, like I mentioned earlier, there is lots of different rooms that is home to different subjects and one of those is the music room. So obviously as someone going in to record a podcast, I got quite excited that this room existed because it has like sound cushioning on the walls and um, it has a small booth and then it has the wider room. Thinking back, it was quite funny. I emailed Governor Eddie Mullins to ask him if we could get some nice chairs for in that room because I felt that because the lads were sitting there it's like an equal conversation or as equal as can be with the lads I wanted it to be comfortable for people that don't know like when when you go into the prison because you're inside the prison like the lads aren't they're not handcuffed or they're not being escorted from room to room at that point there is guards everywhere but it is it is quite relaxed in the school and you're in the rooms seen as like one of the teachers carrying out the the, the podcast and kind of just left be in the room in, in, in the education centre but I noticed there was like these school chairs and I don't know whether this was my own trauma response kicking in, but I was like, I am not sitting in one of those plastic chairs. But even when I went back to education when I was younger, it was sofas that I learned on. I felt that I felt much more relaxed if the, 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 the fabric was soft and there was nice cushioning and you could lie back or throw your legs up, whatever way you want to sit. So I, I emailed uh, Governor Mullins and I said, is there any chance that there's two even half decent comfortable chairs in the prison somewhere that can be brought to the music room, to the recording room, for us to record the podcast so that the lads feel relaxed. And I wasn't long waiting for the response, but basically I was told, this is We Feel Prison, not RTE, Lynn. You'll sit on the floor if you have to. Governor Mullins did find two chairs that were not them old style plastic chairs. So there's something really special about that room because even some of the lads that have never sang before discover for the very first time in that room that they can sing or that they can play the piano or that they can play the guitar. So even when you hear people rap or sing, that music that you hear with that is not always putting that music in to their rapper song. That's actually other men from all over Ireland and especially Dublin also playing instruments and they form a whole band in a sense and it's really a beautiful energy in that room. Also the room we were lucky enough to be able to record the podcast in. Drowning in the depths of my heart I know I am strong I will keep on pushing on I finally found a good way to start could make it better if only I would let her in. Oh my god, I've done some bad things, like, you know, I'm not going to start crying here or anything, but I've done some bad things. You can things. also cry if you want, you nah, do know nah, that, nah, don't nah. you? Nah. Are we not there yet? We're not at no, the crying I think yet. I'm, I think I'm over all that. <laughs> you don't know why, and you don't know why I'm crying, and you don't know why I cry, then how you gonna try? Ah, I was in a, in a choir about 10 or 11, and then I gave it up. I was up, I haven't seen it for years. And when I came back, to, when I came into prison, for me second time, uh, <laughs> the boys encouraged me, and then I was doing a concert. 
and never yeah. practiced for one for a whole brief this year. So I, I love it now, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's giving you an interest. So when I get out of here, hopefully I'm gonna keep it up. You know what I mean? I've never had the confidence to do it before. It's gonna give me a new confidence. You know, I, I couldn't talk to people really, I wasn't, I was very shy. But now, since myself and the other lads encouraged me on, do you know what I mean? So, but my brother and my friends on the outside don't believe me. Not, not that, that I'm singing. Because they, it's not me, do you know what I mean? They, 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 now when I get out to meet my friend, now I'm all happy and she just be saying to me, you've got to be and sing them. Because it's, it's great. Tell me then, in terms of all the study that you've been doing here, um, what would you like to work at? Like, forget, right? Don't put any measurements or restrictions in your head, right? If you think back to little Paul, right? And what he would have loved to be when he grows up, what would that be? Football. I love football with a passion. Yeah. I'm actually a good footballer. I know people say that, but I love football <laughs> with a passion. But I've linked in my car after prison and I think that's my goal to, to move in. I know a mentor that I've, I've worked that I'm linked in with and signed in. Like, I've seen what he went through in life. And to walk into the school one day and see him there in charge of it and I just looked at him and that's what I can do. Like, that's what, it was a kind of a turning point as well of me saying, as I remember him running around the prison, running mad and all, and now he's torn, he's helping other prisoners, he's there for them when they get out of prison. I'd just like to help people back in the community that the kids growing up, I love football, so I'd like to do something in between the football and try to keep them away if they need someone to talk to, not to get dragged into gangs, like, you know what I mean? That's, that's all I want, like, yeah. Yeah, so like football and mentorship, in Ment a sense. Mentor, yeah. Be there, but even someone that's coming off drugs, like, to be there, to ring me any time in the night to say, oh, I think I'm going to have a slip and all. But the way I am now in this situation, I jump about bed to go with them to have a cup of coffee just to be there for people. That's all I asked for when I was growing up as a kid, like, and I never got it. Mm. Obviously, I probably wasn't asking for it either, but people in the area that's growing up, like, there was no, everyone was all great family, got on with each other, but there was no one there to help us all. You know what I mean? Yeah, you go to believe in buttons for a week or two with the Vince and the Paul and all that, but... There's no one actually there to take kids out and see how they're getting on, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think what you just said there a minute ago as well about um, care after prison and then kind of somebody who was a friend who would have been probably running wild with you now in that in a different role in his yeah. life. Um, how important is it for uh, men to see other men, even their peers and friends, in that mentorship or that role model space? Because when you see people from your own, from area to where you grew up or around area to where you know people from, and like, I know nothing against psychology, probation, all help and all, but they're all posh people, like, they don't understand what we went through. And then people that go and do mentors, through car after prison, cap, app, all them, they're all ex-prisoners. Some of them are not ex-prisoners, but they know what you went through and they, they're there to help. Like you can sit here one to one with someone that's a psychologist from nothing against Fox Rocks or anything, but <laughs> they don't know. They can say, oh, yeah, this and that, but they never, there's no family connections like that went through what, what we went through. Like, because yourself, you're from an area yourself and you understand it. Like, obviously, that's what you wanted to do with to go and help people. And it's great to have people like you doing this because it just shows you you need people out of our communities to be in these courses. Be doing all this, you know what I mean? So, and that's the thing, isn't it? Like, so there's lots of well-intentioned people from outside of our communities, right? But unless we're empowered to be our own advocates, to 
have our own power. It's only people giving charity to us. Definitely. So you look at it, you look even John Lanigan says it. You look at it, Dublin one, Dublin two, or Dublin one, all the areas, Dublin seven, Dublin twenty two, Dublin fifteen, Dublin seventeen. That was in the nineties. Still the same people are in prison today, like. It's all the same areas again. Why is that? You know what I mean? So I don't understand, like it's just the same places. Mm. Be honest about it, like, you, know? and you spoke about growing up in the eighties and nineties and how and how difficult that that was, um, and us even the idea of of not having money. Can, do you mind if we go back there a little yeah, bit? Yeah. Um, so growing up then, um, you know, was there was there anyone bringing in money in the house, or what way was it? What way did people survive? Like, I mean, my was walking here and there, but it wasn't. There wasn't. It was a big family, like you know what I mean. Like so, it was hard, like to look after. I was look after everyone, but I was probably more around my house than in my house. Be honest, like running around the streets doing what I want, like I mean. Yeah, and what would you be doing? You spoke about like minding bikes outside shops. Yeah, bikes outside shops, looking for money out of people. I started off them robbing milk and robbing papers outside the shops and hook caps off cars, and then I just went up and up. You know what I mean? Have you any positive memories of of childhood? Even though some of those actually, right, so some of my things that I've done wrong in my life are my positive memories because they were great crack at the time. <laughs> because yeah, you're a true, child yeah, and you don't, yeah. it's only when you look back, you go, well, maybe that wasn't so positive. But at the time, you're seeking out fun in a sense. But um, was there any kind of other, like, so playing football or playing even football, street games? Playing football, all the tournaments, or, like, the yeah. tournaments used to be in the flats, like seven sides and all, like, I mean, talk up. to me about them. Tell me about the tournaments because we had, used to have five sides in talent and that they used to be great. Yeah. They bring all different areas into playing the football pitch, like seven or so, like it was bring everyone together, but it was all the same areas, but it was good playing against each other, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the inner city, north side, the south side, and the inner city, like playing against each other on tournaments, great tournaments, like that's good, good looking back at the football, because like, that's, you can't be street football, like that's where you learn how, like football, like a street football, like, but... They were all the good times, like going camping and all, down the British Bay and all, all around the area and all, all good things back then. Did you yeah. go on summer projects? Yeah, summer projects down the road in uh, Butlins and where else? Uh, Sunshine, Sunshine House. Ah, <laughs> uh, stop down there, party and causing mayhem as well, yeah. <laughs> My ma wouldn't let me go to Sunshine, Sunshine House. Sunshine House, yeah, I used rigging. to be freaked, right? Because I was like, oh, my friends are going to Sunshine House. And my ma had this theory that um, because both her and my dad worked, that um, it was unfair for me that I might take up a place of maybe another family that um, didn't work and d- couldn't afford maybe to bring their child, you know, to Course, Wexford yeah. or something in the summer. But I just remember feeling so hard done by, yeah. you know, and all my friends going, Lynn, you're grand. Like we've all came home riddled with nits, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Back then, in the mouse and putting your hair. Looks sake. <laughs> yeah, but like, but it is that sense of like, you know, spending time with your friends, I think is the most powerful thing to me when, when we were kids. I think it's what many of us lived on, you know. So all, my, all my friends that hung around were kind of family as well, relations, cousins, like, you know what I mean? Mm. We all grew up in the same area, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, and what, what position did you play? So, be honest, I play a front football, but I can play on the wing. I play, once you, once you know football, you can play kind of anywhere, anywhere. you grew up because you've always been put in situations where you have to play, you know what I mean? But like it's mad, right? So when you do when you do get out, right, and you go to a football match now, right? And that idea you mentioned street football and learning to play football on the street. Well, you want to see me on the pitch now, and I'm still playing like I'm playing in Cushlan. Do you know what really? I mean? And I, but it's the thing is, so I play for Terran York, but my my kind of 
I'd say talent on the pitch is my strength and my ability to just keep knocking you off the ball. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not very good at possession. I'm good at winning the ball and getting rid of it. I'm a defender. Like, but uh, they, the girls, some of the gir- women now in some of the leagues, like it's like they did not play, learn to play on the street. Like, oh, engine, when you're hitting them off the ball. I know, <laughs> it's yeah, like, of what's wrong You see, in the Premiership this day, man, <laughs> fall into the ground, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the Aircom League, you still see the good football. That's the good thing about the Aircom League, the Irish, you know what I mean? Yeah. Who, what teams do you support? What teams? Bohemians. Both. Yeah. Both, was it? So I, I enjoyed watching League of Ireland football and, and I followed United growing up, but um, my dad was a League of Ireland player, so he played for he played for Pats and he played for Bray Wanderers and he has a captain for Sligo Rovers and stuff. So... Um, my dad was would be in his eighties now if he was still alive, but so big, big football fan. He grew up on Usher's Key in the tenements and then moved to Ballyferma. So like football was just a massive feature of our lives. And he watched every league. It didn't matter. So him Same was like football, football is football. Michelle, it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. what the league is. Like he knew what was going on in all different leagues. And um so for me, the why I'm kinda harping on about football in this conversation is because um I really do believe that football, um, even though many of us went on to have difficult times, there was there's a chance for football to save many of us. Definitely. You know, definitely. And like, so what do you think of the likes of the like homeless World Cup and stuff for the, um, the, the street leagues? <clears throat> I've done that course with Mick Panda a few years ago. Yeah. That's the best great thing to do. Like, they're still giving people good footballers that's homeless playing football, like, that were on the streets and they could get their head together now, but they're still good footballers, so. It's good to do all things like that. Yeah. <clears throat> and even like football, like football training and all, you should be bringing people in that went through criminality, that turned their life around, to talk to these young people, you know what I mean? Because mm. coming to prison is not the answer. Yeah. And there's people there now, please God, they listen to us, you know what I mean? Like, like as yourself and as people carried out the prison pathways, coming into prison and all, like, you feel comfortable talking to them because you know what you're going through, you know what you went through, they went through, like, so they're going in there and they're sitting talking to someone that doesn't know what they're talking about and they're just looking at you like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this wrong, but how am I doing it wrong? If I'm telling you the truth, I'm not speaking here, lies, you know what I mean? That's what annoys me, like, when you think you're telling, oh, you can talk better than this, you can talk. But hey, you went and didn't go through it. So that's why the prison service have always kind of doing the overdose events and ourselves, drug relapse events. And I'm a listener as well, like, you know what I mean? So you can do that peer-to-peer stuff. Yeah, that's what we do as well, eh? Yeah. No, that's, that's really important. help people in the prison, yeah. like, I mean. tree made a mopper of me. I used to be a vulnerable, but now I'm crazy. Being possessed wasn't bad enough. Now I'm labelled schizophrenic and it's pure over of Asking for help, it's your don't help. They leave you in a padded cell to drool. Take a fool's advice, even if they ask nice. Hold it in and keep it to yourself. Hold it, pigeon, hold ya on a padded shelf. Brown cow, scary voices in my head. Twisted, angry faces I curl up in the bed. Demons calling me this and that. And the doctor does the same with his textbook rap. You'll call up. The labels like stamps An OCD of illnesses Courtesy of tramps Join the competition at the cuckoo's nest Who wins the complex crown? 
don't be the medicated clown. Oh, the mental health service brings you down. Ooh, so low down. Diddly idle, diddly idle, diddly I coco. Diddly diddly idle, diddly I coco, coco. Diddly idle, diddly idle, diddly I coco. Diddly diddly idle, diddly I coco, 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 coco. Psychiatrists get the boat. If it's eat or sink or swim, will only bodies float. It's futile working it out. There really are demons and they're always given out. Asking for help, it sure don't help. They leave you in a padded cell to drool. Take a fool's advice, even if they ask nice. Hold it in and keep it to yourself. Hold it, pigeon, hold ya on a pad of silver. To the programs, their format. You'll be full of medication, lethargic and fat. Nurses as big as a brick shit house. After one or two knocks, you'll be quiet as a mouse. Loading it over you. Addressing you as if you're age two. All vulnerables, please beware. Psychiatry will give you grey hair. Don't ask for help. The pain not to care. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. If the spirits speak unto you, they label you nuts. If you demons in your head, listen to the counsel of your heart. Cause Psychiatrists will tear your mind apart. Ah, ooh, la, ooh, ah, no. Diddly doodle 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 doodle. Brown cow. Diddly idle, diddly idle, diddly idle. Diddly diddly idle, diddly cuckoo, cuckoo. Diddly idle, diddly idle, diddly idle. Diddly diddly idle, diddly cuckoo, 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 cuckoo. Tom, ah, you know. Absolutely. You couldn't help but uh, fall a little bit in love with Tom. He participated in every single conversation. He participated in every workshop. I think is possibly the youngest one that we interviewed. And we interviewed him on the day of his birthday, which I think was his 20th or his 19th, maybe his 19th birthday. And he just is... He's just lovely and you can see how he actually even engages with the security guards, with the prison officers on the wing. You can see how much they absolutely love him as well and they're they're kind of bouncing back and forth about League of Ireland football and slagging off about like the Bowes match that happened the weekend and he just has this lovely charm about him that um, is is beautiful. He participates in some of the podcasts where you'll hear some music so he's he's getting involved in music and he's never experienced an instrument before until he went to prison and he has started to learn how to play the piano and the guitar and on his birthday we sat there and we done a brief interview and he is half grinning through the whole interview. It doesn't matter what you're talking about, there's this half grin that exists as you're chatting to him. And one of the things I loved most about him is just how much he loved League of Ireland football. (laughs) Because growing up, there's not many young men in Ireland 
that dream of playing League of Ireland. They're all wanting to go to abroad. They all want to go to the UK. But he is so proud to be Irish, so proud of Irish sport and football. And he just lights up when you talk about it. And you can just see his whole face off them the moment you talk about the things that he loves. Round them doggies up, medication time. I suppose the story's very similar to a lot of people. Like, grew up, didn't have a lot of money. Uh, always trouble with the guard. For me, and the way for me to kind of escape from that was always football. Football, growing up, was the only thing I ever wanted to do. And look, I was realistic about it. We didn't want to go play for over for any of them teams over in England. It was realistic. I wanted to play for the League of Ireland team. Teams we were watching as well as English teams. For me, so that's the way I escaped from all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I was happy that I escaped that way because you see people they go down drugs or drink. Or, but that wasn't any. That wasn't anything that I thought that I wanted for myself. I kind of wanted to go against the grain a little bit. Don't be like one of those sheep that would just follow everyone getting into trouble with artists. So for me, escape was with football. Uh, growing up, I remember summers, going out at 10 o'clock in the morning, coming back at 10 o'clock at night, playing football all day. Uh, yeah, so I enjoyed that. That was a big part of my life. Uh, school was grand. Get this. School was never really enjoyable. It's, you get there just to do it. And like that, even in school then again, probably escape from... The boringness of school was football, playing football every day. When I was in second year, I was playing under 17 football. And it was cool. I wouldn't say I had the physique to be playing with all them older lads, but uh, yeah, look, I enjoyed them. For me, it was a great way to escape, something positive as well. Because it's taken up my whole life now, even in prison. It's, it's a great way to escape as well. Yeah. So in terms of like football as a, a thing to use to escape, like I completely get that. And I think, um, first of all, it's like, well, what are we escaping from? Right. And then the other thing is that it's such a positive way to engage with um, escaping, you know, and f- for me growing up and I think most working class communities, especially when it came to like football, um, it was that thing that 10 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night playing World Cup or something, you know what I mean? Or, you know, and uh, it, that's such a positive memory for me too. So I love hearing you talk about that. So who tell me a little bit then about like, um, your, so you said League of Ireland, which is brilliant, you know what I mean? Because most yeah. people want to play abroad, yeah, you know, yeah. so to kind of want to play in League of Ireland. So um, who, do, who do you support? Rovers. Rovers. Shamrock Rovers, yeah. Wouldn't be them for Sligo heads. <laughs> <laughs> My dad has a cap for Sligo Rovers. Yeah, <laughs> swear to God. <laughs> Sligo. Ah, look, League of Ireland football, there's something about it. It's like, you see all these footballers over in different countries and they're on super money. And a lot of, the, a lot of them don't do much with it. Buying Lamborghinis and all this stuff. Uh, but some of League of Ireland, it seems like they're normal people just playing for the simple fact of enjoying playing football. That's when you see all these players and they're going for it. They want 400 grand a week and all. Did they forget when they were kids growing up, being, like, becoming a footballer was that probably their dream? So for me, the league run was always that. They're like normal people and you can go there, you can enjoy the matches. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. And um, So, um, who's who's your favourite player at Rovers at the minute? Oh, to be honest, yeah. Well, Roberto Lopez is a good player. Yeah. 
Brooks, Brooks, unbelievable. Like, that got, like, I remember I was watching the uh, draw the match last game of the season, and uh, we weren't playing too well, but he only dragged us fucking. Actually, can I curse you? Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one that dragged us from a hole and back into the game to win it. So, yeah, yeah. Burke, you like playing. him? Yeah. yeah. A pal of mine is, was their strength and conditioning coach for the last five years. He just stepped down. Yeah? Yeah. That's, yeah. What, see, the thing, that's the thing about football is, is that like, it's mental. Like, a lot of these players, they, honestly, they put that body through the ring after the, for the game. And look, it is some enjoy it. Some probably just do a bit for a bit more money. But uh, nah, it's a great sport. It brings people together. Like, I was watching the football there. I was watching PSG last night against Real Madrid. And you could just see the fans chanting. Every time a Real Madrid touch, player touched the ball, PSG fans were booing. And that's just it. Like, you can bring players together. You can bring people together, which I always feel is just... It's like, very like music as well. I think music is that fucking big part of it as well. Yeah. You can do that. Just bring people together and they can all just sit around and enjoy it. T- tell me a bit about that, actually. So... Um, where does your love of music come from? It's funny, like, in, like, in prison, like, you, you can either kill your, uh, your interests or you can get a few more. And like, I only play music uh, from when I came into prison. I don't know, I don't know anyone at home, man, who plays anything. Like, not one instrument do I know anyone at home play. But in here, that's where I kind of came up. And I always wanted to do it. But like, maybe that confidence thing is kind of it's just there and you're like, I don't know. Yeah, we've been lucky that the teachers in when I was in Overtown as well and in here have just been the incredible musicians. So, how does music make you feel? Oh, when you're sitting there and you're trying to learn something, man, it's frustrating. When you just want to keep sticking with it, but it's brilliant. I think like it, it's a great way to lose an hour. You just go there, play whether it's playing the guitar, uh, or the piano, or keyboard, or that, fiddle, anything. It's it makes me feel, makes you kind of, it's one of those things where you kind of escape from prison as well when you're doing it. You're sitting there and like, everyone has a favourite song or they remember a guitar player doing this or a song that has a piano or something in it. So for me, I was always able to kind of relate to them. And I always wanted to, for me, like, I want to be able to go back and show my niece and nephews all, all these things. And it's a great way to connect with people as well. So really like, you know, um, music being something that's positive for you in your everyday life now, but really, you, you know, you mentioned that there was no instruments in, in any, like the family or your friends or whatever, but um, why do you think it's important for, to bring that back then to your nieces and nephews? <sighs> for a simple fact, it's a great skill. And no matter where you go in the world, like there's instruments all over the place. But then like, like that as well, it's, it's a way, it's giving me a lot of confidence in my own ability that I'm taking into uh, different parts of my life. Uh, and like that, it's a great way to connect with people. Look at look this picture showing me uh, my niece how to play the piano. And her sitting there and her, her learning and then going on with it. And she could do something great with it. So you just never know. But it's, it's no harm doing it. You know, it's no negative that comes with it. So it's, only, it's a great way to learn new skills as well and like I've, I've met a lot of nice people and great great people from just playing and yeah. getting to know them and build great connection with them so when I know when I get out then even and I say I wanted to go down that route and I have them relationships already built from in prison so music is a great way to connect really yeah that's really yeah. nice that's lovely yeah look- what type of artists did you listen to growing up <laughs> growing up uh Ma used to always play uh, Fleetwood Mac, Eric Clapton, uh, 
all them parents and all kind of all empty. But big Fleetwood Mac fan, to be honest. Yeah, brilliant class. You can't not be a Fleetwood no, Mac no. fan. I don't think, I, honestly, I don't think I met one person who isn't yeah. a Fleetwood Mac fan. As a, as a young person coming into, um, let's say, an adult jail, I don't think anyone just becomes an adult at 18, yeah. but like, you know, uh, but coming from um, being in that underage setting and into a prison like this, what type of impact does that have? Is it scary or do you kind of just push on through and just get on with it or what well, way do you feel? When I first came to prison, I realised I had two choices. I had a choice to be act the bollocks and just do nothing in my life from now on, just be in there with jail. Or I had a chance to be able to turn that around and kind of sit down and say, look, I don't want this for my life. I don't want this for my family. Or I don't want, like, growing up, like, we've had brothers locked up, we've had uncles locked up, cousins locked up. Uh, so I kind of, you kind of carry that with you. So I want to kind of, so I realise I don't want that life from me. And I don't want my family coming in and seeing me and six minute phone calls and all that. So I realised I had ch- choice. So I went about it by trying to get qualified in as many things as I could. Anything positive in prison I'm trying to do. Uh, and like that, like, it, like I came from Albertown, Albertown, grand, like, same principles that your freedom's done, but it's totally different to here. Like, I remember uh, coming here and, like, there's so many different things, like, like that six-minute phone calls or a phone call a day even. Or you got all going up to get your field and all these things. And, like, like that is, it could be intimidating. But it could be intimidating by the point of view, like you stand there and you, you see four the officers standing there, or six foot four and all this. So it is it's intimidating enough, and it's a big change, but I was, looking, I was fortunate enough that I've seen that, and I've said, I said, look, I don't want this from you, I don't want to be down any other part of the prison where they're fighting, drugs, all these things. It's not what I want from me. So the school can take you away from that? Yeah, school, yeah. I always say, school in prison is a big part of rehabilitation, if you believe in it. Like it is, like coming up here, like I've seen lads learn guitar and that brilliant, absolutely phenomenal. Or I've seen lads going up in university and all. So when they get out, they find it easier not to go back into that life. They kind of broke that little bit of a cycle. So that's what I'm saying. Like school is, I think it's a big part of rehabilitation in prison. Are you going to do the open university? Yeah, definitely. 100%. Yeah. Should you see all them cunts over on the outside? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, college and all <laughs> expenses can't even get accommodation off and you're like I'm going to utilise so this while I'm here yeah it's an op- yeah. look it's an opportunity to make something if you want to look, I don't want to let that go by me and look back in my time in prison sitting and say look I could have done this this and that and I didn't like yeah, so you mentioned the six minute phone calls two or three times. So it feels like that that's something that's kind of really like Jesus, I only get to communicate with those that I love on these six minute phone calls. How does a person decide what to talk about on those six minute phone calls, knowing they're so short and sweet? For me, look, I, try to plan, I try to plan what I'm going to say before I even go on the phone. Because I know if I don't, and you're sitting there and you're trying to think of things, it goes boy and you're hearing a beep, and then before you know it, it's a second beep, and then you're in the middle of talking and you hear the phone call. So, uh, nah, like, look, there's it, nothing you can really do about it. Uh, Who do you ring? Try call, try call my friends, try call my missus, try call uh, my mum, my dad. But like, like, I've, like, I've a big family. So, like, there's times I call my mum and I don't get to sit, talk to three or four of my brothers or my sister. And so it's hard, like... You like, times to decide I, between... Yeah, like, I, like, I've gone two weeks without talking to people because they don't work and you're trying to call them and they can't call you back. So, like, it is, it's hard enough. 
Yeah, no, it is hard. And that's that's actually so, like thinking about what you're going to say before you're on the phone. Like, so mm. it's it's it has this unnatural feel and just conversing back and forth mm. with your loved ones. Do you think that's something you're looking forward to when you when, when you do leave here is being able to just have natural conversations oh. with your with your family and your friends? Yeah, unbelievably. I mean, people don't people don't estimate like, the, the fact that people can't even call you back when they have when they have a mom. Like, I'm, like, like, I'm very close to it. Uh, a lot of my family and a lot of my friends as well. Very, very close. So it's hard. You kind of feel a bit... Sometimes you might feel a bit isolated. But then it hits you and you're like, there's no other way that I can... There's nothing I can do about it now. But you just have to be positive about it. Just keep on going. Keep on going. Yeah, yeah it's a resilience really, isn't it, that people build up to get to get through. Did yeah. you did you stay in school till the end? No? Yeah, I was, in, I was going to fifth year and kind of yeah. t- things went... To fucking to the dogs for me, but uh, yeah, look, like skills. If you want to kind of push on in life, I always feel skill is important to do. Look, skills born. No one's really having anything else. Like, you didn't enjoy many things in school. Look, you had the odd subjects you like, the odd teachers you like. But you kind of just go there to kind of be with your mates most of the time. And like for me, skills got to play, got to play sports, got to play basketball, football, uh, Gaelic football, got to do anything kind of like that. So. Positive for me as well. So, so all the the music, the football, the the study, everything. What is your what is your hopes and dreams from here on in? Well, to, for me, look, I want to I want to get out and be able to kind of help young lads. Cause like when I was a young lad, was, no one ever told me like this isn't a good life. <laughs> no one, honestly, no one ever said, look, you don't want to be doing this, you don't want to be doing that because this will happen. This you end up in place like this, or you end up wherever. So I want to be that person for some. I want to get out and have some young lad sit down and say, look, he was in that situation and he's turned it around and he's put, and he's looking out for me and he's telling me, look, you don't want this. This has an impact on this person and all your uh, your connections with people. So I want to be that person. Like, which, for me, I'd probably do a lot of volunteer work when I get out. I think people underestimate how, uh, how much... If an older lad said to a young lad, look, you don't want this life. Said, look, it's almost glorified sometimes, some things. And you see, young lads are seeing all these uh, people in their 20s, all these watches, their cars, their money, you know. They don't realise that comes, always comes with a price. Always comes with, comes with it. Always comes with it. So, so you want to be a role model? Yeah. Yeah. Do but you have role model in here? In here? Yeah. I, I say to people, you'd be surprised. I've met some of the best people in prison. Honestly, yeah. I, like I have, I've met, like, they call me young lad, and some of these look like elfless to me. <laughs> so, but like the voice they give you and all, it's just, it's amazing. And you kind of look, you look at them and sit there and say, look, it took them so long to figure it out, but they're passing on. To, so you kind of figure it out a bit quick, and you sit there and say, look, that's what I want to be for some. That's what I want to make sure if it's one young lad doesn't have to come into a place like this over me, that's a big win for me. And then, how long did you run the pet shop for? Tell me a little bit about that. that. About, I think I had that for about 10 months. I had that, yeah, it was gone for about 10 months. I had me, um, me mate, it was between me and me mate. We said, fuck it, we'll just do it. We always wanted to do something like that. We had a running for, I'd say, about six or seven months and then just lost interest in it. 
wasn't like putting the effort into it was more busy partying and fucking doing whatever else and then um we uh, let his brother take her over then and he was flying he was he, he he had a job and he didn't like it so i says go on down there and set it up proper and he had opened proper hours putting loads of work into it and then we started saying oh this is actually good because it was running it was it was easily done do you know what i mean it was lovely it was, it was a good experience do you know what i mean met loads of people they had a, had a good, good buzz down there as well you know just people would ring you and say here um i have a turtle here do you want that you're like yeah fuck it you just go out and get a turtle or something or, <laughs> or a, a fucking snake or something do you know what i mean you never know what the phone would ring and ask you do you know that way and uh, I was good, but I ended up having to close it down. I ended up running out of money and just wasn't enough coming in. So tell me a little bit about that then, because it sounds like working with animals is something that um, you'll, you'd enjoy. Yeah, definitely. Um, and something that you value, given your interest in animals. Yeah. Do you feel that that could have gone differently if you weren't in that place where you were isolating with drug use and anxiety? Do you, do you have any regrets or anything you think you could do different? Yes, just could have put more time into like that course. When I was doing that, I was lazy. I was fucking giving young ones bits of way to do my homework and all those stupid things like that. And then they're just not learning that. Like I learned a few bits out of it, but I was cheating as well through it. Like, and then I end up getting done for plagiarism at the end of it and all. Do you know what I mean? Stupid. So I still passed and I was just but this kind of teeth. But <laughs> uh, if I could have went back now, like if I could do it in here now, I'd fly through it. Do you know that way? Because yeah, you have no nothing else to do. What what do you think of the idea of um, animals in a prison system? Oh, I love that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be good, yeah. Do you think people would benefit from... I'd from say so, yeah. I would, yeah, definitely, yeah. I'd love an owl, and he would just say an old dog. Yeah. So I miss me dog. <laughs> it'd be quite therapeutic, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would, yeah. I, um, I, I, there's a prison in America um, where they train service dogs in the prison, I think, or guide I think dogs. I've seen that or, a few times already. Yeah. yeah. Do you have that pit bull and prowlies as well? Do you ever watch that? No, what's that? Tell me about that. See a woman over there, she has like, I don't know how many uh, rescue pit bulls, but she only rescues pit bulls. And um, you know all young fellas getting out and prowling, all. she has them walking, looking after them and feeding them, rescuing them, no shit like that. Yeah. It's good to watch it. Yeah. It's, it's a good show, like. Yeah, no, I will. Um, I've always been, I've always loved animals, so yeah. I, I grew up watching just constant wildlife documentaries. Same, I used to love watching Animal Planet all like, yeah. Yeah. Watching all the dog rescues and all, yeah. Yeah. It's a good I used to do a bit like people would ring me in the area, oh, this dog here, do you want this dog? And I was just, yeah, yeah, come here, come here. So did, were you always bringing dogs home? Yeah, always bringing dogs home, yeah. Tell me what what was like, what was your mum like when you were kept bringing I mean, I lost them as well, yeah. She's also like, I always, like if someone had a litter of pups or something, I'd, I'd get one. And my mum would be like, don't be bringing them home and all. And then we just bringing it home and having a date for a few days, no hiding it from her. And then I'd just go in, she'd, she'd fall in love with it. She'd name the call and the fucking... She, she named all my dogs. I've had loads of dogs throughout my, tell, my childhood. Tell us some of the names for the crack. Bow, Marley, Oscar, Obi, Cali, fucking Pepsi. After the weed? Ah, Cali after the weed, <laughs> 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 Stop. Um, what did we, Lou, Lou had another dog. What did we have? Can't even think of the dog. How the hell put, did you fit that many dogs into your oh, life? This is, all, this is all throughout the last fucking six or seven years, you know yeah. what I mean? I had five at one stage, it was madness. And what what do you get out of spending time with dogs? I just love it, it's just, I don't know, just enjoy it. Just seeing them running around, killing each other and fucking having a buzz with them, do you know what I mean? Mm. I had a couple of litters of pups as well. Just seeing them being born and all, it was just a good experience. Like, some litter, some experience, like, I enjoyed yeah. it. I had a great time with them. I was just staying out in the shed with them every night and all, do you know what I mean? You would stay in the shed with I'd them? I'd stay in the shed with them, yeah. They'd be all crawling around the place now. 
<laughs> just minding them. Just minding them. Yeah, I was afraid someone would jump over the wall and rob them, do you know what I mean? Right. So we'd have them all over fucking Snapchat, Instagram and all. People would know all this pups out that back. So yeah. it wasn't letting that happen, do you know what I mean? So tell me then, so in throughout your time in here, um you've you started you've started in the school. How long are you going yeah, to the school? Going to the schools. So I came in in May and oh started straight away nearly, yeah. Yeah, I went to the school in May and just it's good. What type of it. stuff are you doing in the school? All to do with my hands, you know, all fabrics, uh, pottery, fucking, what's that, I can't even think of the lady, the woodburn class. Oh, right. Um, then art, and that's it really, like. Did you enjoy them subjects when you were in school? Yeah. Yeah. It's good, yeah. Yeah. yeah I like you using my hands, I don't like sitting there learning because I just won't go in, you know, like. Why do you think that is? Uh-huh. Learn difficulty or something. No, you think people just have different skill sets, really, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, yeah. I'll pick something up with my hands quicker than I would. Sitting there trying to get like someone explain it to you, do you know that way? Yeah. And what's your plans then when you when you go home? Don't know. To be honest with you, I've been just thinking about when I get out. I'm gonna do me back garden up and build a little gaff or something out my back garden. Live there for a while because I can't see myself getting a mortgage or anything anytime soon now. I'm in jail. <laughs> so uh, probably just build something out my mortgage back. Do you miss home? Yeah, miss it. Yeah. What do you miss most? My girlfriend and my dog, and uh, my sister. Yeah. Yeah, she'd be gone mad if I didn't mention her. <laughs> <laughs> How old is your sister? Yeah, uh, my mum as well, obviously. My uh, sister's 26. 26. Yeah. So, wait, you're 26. So, I'm 27. You're 27. I'm 28 now on, on Friday. Okay. So, uh, there's a year and a bit between us. And it's just the two of us? Just the two of us, yeah. Yeah, what is our relationship like? Yeah, it's, it was always good when we were growing up, and then the, like, between our 20s to now, there's been... Always good, like we'd always have time for each other and we'd always talk to each other, but sort of went separate ways. She went me like she went to Australia, I stayed here and then she sort of grew up and matured. Do you know what I mean? So she's more of like a, a, a ma to me now, rather than my sister. Do you get me? She's really like, no, you can't be doing that, you can't be doing that. She's right though in a way, like, because what I end up happening with tell me, do you get me? Yeah. But uh, no, it's still a good relationship, yeah. I think now when we get out now, it'll be brand new. How hard is it to maintain your your relationship with your girlfriend when you're in prison? So, the first couple of months was was real hard, yeah. But now we just got on with it. It's just normal, like it's grand. It's hard because you can't really like you can't ring her as much as I want to. Do you know what I mean? I was I got caught with a phone and all. Do you know what I mean? Right. But I feel like that was just in the way. I was just always con- constantly checking up on her. She was saying, "Why are you ring me all the time for?" Do you know what I mean? There's oh, nothing else to do. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But um. Yeah, it's grand. It seems to be going all right anyway. How hard is it to um like how hard do you think it is on families when they've a loved one uh gone to prison? Do you think they take a lot of responsibility in uh, making sure they're yeah. all right and Yeah, of course, yeah. I have my sister's heart broken now looking after my dog and everything else, fucking paying bills on the outside, fucking just everything me bored running around like a mad thing, you know, just trying to get me clothes up to the prison, money in my shop all the time and all that stuff like that. Then I'm still giving out to her saying, oh boy, it wasn't me money in my shop on time and all, do you know that way? Yeah. It's a bit, a bit of adjusting, but you get used to it. Do you think women take on that role more than anyone in society in terms of when loved ones are in prison? Yeah. Like daughters and sisters and oh, mothers? Oh, 100%, yeah. yeah. My mates wouldn't have fuck off Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You ring them, they would have to fuck off. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Stop, but now my board, my girl, my board and my sister, they're, they're the ones that are doing everything for me out there. Don't worry.
and it's good. You get it, once you get the routine going, like you have an hour or whatever it is, but we use that hour up to the up to the second, like you know. And it, reminds, it brings it back to the boxing club because it's just like you're actually not in prison anymore. Yeah, you're, you're, you're not. You're just there training and training, and everything's getting out. Yeah, the lads are getting their frustrations out in the bag. They're doing the little exercises and every, everything is go 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 go. And then after an hour, you're going, "What the fuck? That was great." And you feel great. You're walking down the land grand, you know. You said something there that that time actually that sounds out to me. You were like, "It's like for a moment you're not in prison oh, for that hour." Yeah. Is there any like, other moments like that? Mostly when you're training. Like, if you try and get training as much as you can, you know. Uh, training just takes it away, you know, because you could be in any gym in Dublin or any, anywhere in the world training, and you're still training. It doesn't matter what environment you're in. Whether it's a prison environment or a, a, a fancy gym out at Black Rock, you're still doing the same thing. So, it's, you know what I mean? You, 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 your, your mind is focused on what you're doing, so you're, you're gone. One other thing to take you out of this place, it's a school. The school is very good. It's just that there's not enough of it, you know. They've uh, doubled up the prisons, doubled up the cells. They haven't doubled up the school. They haven't gave us extra staff. They haven't gave them extra classes. They haven't gave them nothing. So how do you fit everyone in to get a proper education? You can't. Like, it's grand for them to say, we're taking over this whole land and this wing and we're going to double everyone up. And that's wrong. So you've got extra, say, next to four or five hundred prisons, whatever it is. So Where's the education? The classroom's actually getting smaller. So what they're saying now is go out and walk around the yard in a circle. They can eat you. You know? So in terms of like having such a, a kind of negative experience as a young person in school um, and then you're in a prison which is a negative experience in and of itself because yeah. it's your freedom is taken away and you know there's consequences to that. But then... Um, Within that negative experience, then you're engaging in the education system and obviously having, without the violence, I suppose, out of fear of being caned and stuff. Yeah. What it's, what's it like to learn now as somebody that's great. a bit older and has kind of been a long time out of education? What's that it's like? Great, yeah. The school is very good, yeah. It's just... When you, when you get do with um, the classes and you, you get your seats and all that, you know, it's nice, you know, get recognised. Uh, it's the learning process itself. But as it says, they're dealing with normal people. They're only there to help you. Not there to judge you. They're only there to, to try and better, make, make you better. You know, and people have to look, look at them that way, you know. Mm. Uh, then you do your bit of homework and all that. And, and then when you, sometimes it's hard when you don't get something completed. But then when you do get it completed, you kind of say, yeah, well, it was worth it, you know. What's worth it about it? How does that make you feel when you've completed something? It's just a sense of accomplishment. It's a sense of accomplishment. It's good, like, to say I've done that. We've done an FAI course there only a while ago, and uh, that was, uh, it was six weeks, but it went a bit longer because of uh, COVID or whatever it was. And you, 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 you can do it, but you've done it. You know, and now you say you've done, a, done the Red Cross um, programmes. Didn't think I'd do them. Done them. The family came in and watched us getting president. It was great. You know, so it makes them feel... The best thing about school is that when you tell your people at home what you're doing in prison and you say to them, I'm going to school and doing this, they're the lawyer. It just makes their day. I was in the gym, I was in the gym, brilliant. Because they think prison, he's in a cell there eating porridge. He's in the, you know what I mean? It's all the negative thing about prison. But when you tell them that you're doing something positive, it makes them happy. And if they're happy, you're happy. 
so I can go to bed at night knowing that they're happy. So I'm, ha- I'm happy for them. And the fact that they, they know that, well, he's up there, he's in, the, he's in the, the classes, he's doing this, he's doing the football, he's doing the boxing, he's training. So he's, he's happy. Are they proud of you? I wouldn't say they're proud of being in here. But uh, I think they're proud because of achieving stuff in here. You could get it to go one way or the other way. You could go down one route in here, which is a bad route to go down, which you probably hear about, where everyone hears about, you know. There's also a good road you can go down, and it's up to you to take whatever choice you want. It's a hard choice. It's not an easy choice. You know, one road is a lot easier than the other. It's your choice. That's the only thing you know, it's your choice. So Ben is also one of the youngest guys who participated throughout every single workshop that we did and made himself available throughout all the recordings of the podcast. You won't hear from Ben in terms of contributing to an interview, but he was very, very much part of pulling everything together. So some of the imagery that will pop up on our social media, we gave Ben, you know, full reign of the camera and we taught him, I suppose, how to to use it, what to look for. He went off happily going around the school, thinking of the cool images that he could take. He also designed the logo, which you will see being used for episode seven. Throughout all the other episodes, we have a particular logo that we use. But for Arts and Talents, we actually wanted to work with Ben to design a logo that he thought we should use for that piece because he loves art. He also painted a a, a picture to be part of that series that you will see as well on our social medias. But the logo is all him. The art is all him. And he was an absolute 
pleasure to to be around. He's a he's he's a little bit different to to some of the other lads in the sense that he's quite soft and well spoken and doesn't have that same like say Dublin gritty accent we'd hear from Anto. Is a little bit quieter and quite well spoken and just very obliging and just really wants to help. So you won't hear from him, but you'll definitely see some of his work pop up throughout the series. Make Nice to meet you, Lynn. I've been in here the last few weeks. So I'm from Killinarden and Tala. How long are you Lovely. in Ireland? I'm 10 years. Ten but years. I've been a lot in here, like I've, in prison. For most yeah, of it, are most you of it, like, um, That's I'm, no way to visit Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, it yeah. is in my world. Yeah. Oh, God. Crazy. I know. I yeah. hear you. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've always had problems with drugs and stuff. And okay. the music's my escape out of drugs. And, and I've used my time this time to... Okay. Really, you know, focus on my music and get get myself a different sort of lifestyle. And yeah, what try. kind of lifestyle would you like? I, I want everything. I want a better lifestyle. You know, yeah. I just want to. Um, I want what everyone wants: security, family, and. But now I, I want to get out and just make something of myself and leave a legacy as well, you know, leave something behind that yeah, for for people to say, yeah, Stretch was was here, yeah. I so, know. Say that again. Stretch was on the Stretch planet. Stretch was on the planet. Yeah, Stretch yeah. was on the planet. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So like I, so <laughs> I'm from I'm from Tala, right? And Good, the, reason, the, re- the reason yeah. I'm in here, <laughs> yeah. the reason I'm in here is yeah. because um, I've worked for a long, long time. So for years I worked in addiction. Well, so yeah. I was a drug user myself. Yeah. Um, and then I worked. No in, way. Yeah, and then no I worked way. in addiction. Now I'm what? a politician. So. Just like me, you'd be saying Lynn, Lynn Roman was on it. the planet. Yeah, and I, I watched a documentary a couple of days ago, Lynn, about uh, she was from Fatima. Yeah, and I pop up. Do you know Did her? you see me on it? Yeah, yeah it was in you. In my garden. That Where? was me. It was yeah, That was made years ago, so I probably look no blonde. Way. I'm probably blonde in it. Yeah, yeah, no way. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I came. She apologised to your man about robbing out of the shop and all, but that's what happens. You see, you see, not like I've done things now I regret. Because I was blinded by addiction. I was blinded. I was living rough. I was sleeping outside Tommy Hilfiger on Grafton Street. And that's how bad it got. I had a hundred pound a day habit. I was... What were you uh, using? Heroin and uh, crack cocaine and tablets. Yeah. And anything I could get my hands on, to be honest, Lynn. And uh, it was just a chaotic lifestyle. So I had to wake up in the morning and find it begging, stealing, whatever I could to... To get by, you know. How old were you when you start using? I was very young. I I grew. I I saw drugs before I knew what drugs were. Like my mum, my mum was a, a heroin user, um, a prostitute. Um, she was always in, in and out of prison from a young age. Still love her. She's still my mum. She lives in Belfast in Northern Ireland. That's why I came. I came to Belfast first, and I slowly made my way down to Dublin, sort of by for the drugs. I came to Dublin because uh, there wasn't enough heroin in Belfast, and that's the truth. I came down to Dublin and, and with my girlfriend at the time. She was a user as well. She passed away. Oh, and, I'm very uh, sorry. It's just I've had a chaotic, very chaotic life from young. Anyway, so I started started u- using drugs when I was about twelve. Um, it would have been light drugs, cannabis, uh, alcohol. I was in children's homes and stuff, and uh, I was in secure units like Oberst, the equivalent Oberstown. of Oberstown in, in, the in the UK. I was in Orchard Lodge, Feltham, 
all the young offenders in England. Uh, um, before I knew what drugs were, I was taking drugs. I was taking heroin at 16. I was smoking crack at 16. I injected at 18. Um, and I've, I've been injecting up till I came in this time. How old are you now? 35. 35. And uh, I was on death's door. Um, literally, I've had treatment since I've been in. A lot of treatment. And I've got a second chance of life. And it's just opened up my eyes. I can't believe the change. Like in me, I'm doing counselling and stuff. And I never... Is that the first time you've ever done counselling? Yeah, well... I've had counselling my whole life because I was in children's homes and like unwillingly, unwillingly had I was sitting there <laughs> shrugging the shoulders and all in, you know. Like I've done, I've done music therapy, I've done this therapy, that therapy. Nothing worked. Nothing worked. I just got worse and worse. But now this time, something's just clicked in my head, and it's not going to happen overnight. I know that I'm still trying to deal with my certain emotions, and it's it's a battle, isn't it, Lynn? It is but a yeah. battle. Because yeah. the drugs bl have blocked out, you know yourself, I just, the drugs have blocked out our emotions over the years and that. But um, I'm starting slowly to to learn and see. And and you will. Thing. And it's, it's, I think it's even more than second chances. It's like, no matter how many times we want to try and um, step out of um, abuse of drugs just to deal with emotions, yeah. we should be allowed to do it a second time, a third time, a fourth time, a fifth time, a sixth yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter because, do you know what? Each and every time yeah. you learn something new. Definitely. So even if there's a bit of a relapse or a lapse yeah. or a slip, mm -hmm. every time you stay off something for a period of time, you create capital. Yeah. You know, it's all recovery capital. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. like I always hate when someone says, you know, say if you haven't used for like 200 days and then you have a slip and someone says, oh, you have to start again. Yeah. No, I do yeah. not. Yeah. That's not starting again. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. might have fucking fucked up there. Right. But actually everything I've learned and then previous 200 days about myself and you learn from your relapse because you go, well, how can I better respond to that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's just, it's just your emotions will come back and, and your yeah. thinking when you do you mind if I ask a question? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, do you mind when you was on the drugs? Do you find a lot of your emotions were blocked, like your happiness, sadness, and willing to take stuff in and stuff as well? Like I'm sure since you've been clean, now it's enabled you to to do everything. Because when you're on the drug, it's like you're stuck. Yeah, and, like I suppose did the different types of drugs that, and you know I, that it's I used. Not normal. I was very very yeah, young, yeah. so I had experienced a lot of friends die at a very young age. Yeah. We were involved in criminality, yeah. and I had I I've had different types of drug use throughout my years. So I've had yeah. drug use that I found was fun, and you're partying, and you're taking e, and you're with your pals, yeah, and then like the yeah. other drugs that I took at times where. I didn't want to die, but I just for a moment didn't want to exist. Yeah. And it's that like, I don't yeah. want to feel anything, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. taking drugs to wow. just be absent of thought and feeling. And look here now, sure. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, so when I came in here the other day and yeah. someone was playing your music yeah. for me, you know, when you just know, you're just like, yeah. ah, where's he getting? Lovely. Nice one. Hey, you know, <laughs> so, t so tell me about, yeah. tell me about your music. Talking and I suppose, about the music and that, Lynn. Um, when yeah. did you know you could first rap? Uh, a very, uh, I was, when in prison. In prison. It was a, it was a coping mechanism. And uh, how did you discover it? In the young offenders in England, there's a, a big rap culture, as you see at the minute in the UK, there's a lot of rappers and it's coming over to Ireland now. And it's a big thing. Some people call it drill. Some people call it grime. Um, but it originated in prison. It originated in, not even in the streets, it originated in prison. And that's the way, the way um, we've, we, we used to have clashes, we called it. 
basically kind of like eight mile. I could, it's the best way to like explain it. Like rap battles. Like exactly, Lynn, like rap battles. And yeah. what do you think then? Because um, I, I always know yeah. when I hear a rapper, like, so you're, you, you're talking about it being in prison, right? Yeah, and yeah. it is, it is, it is, there's something honest and genuine and real and raw yeah. about uh, working class rap or people that are transforming their trauma into lyrics and mm. poetry, right? And it yeah. really hits you somewhere. Yeah. Do you ever then kind of cringe a little bit? Because sometimes I hear people that have had quite sheltered lives yeah. and they try and like appropriate the lives of air stories yeah. and they try and rap about it. Like, you be like, oh, yeah, he's not, he's not working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he, he went to he went to college. He's, 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 he's yeah. He, how can a man with a uni degree be busting up mic and chatting his grease? You know, like as yeah. a, as, a, as an English rapper says, I'm quoting a rapper JME there. He's a. Uh, have you ever heard of Skepta? Yes. Well, he's he's Skepta's brother, this fella, and he, he, you know him, and he, uh, he's had his problems as well, and he's come through it. I've been in prison with a few rappers that have made it. Sadly, some of them have died and stuff because of the gang stuff and all that. Um, but I've been I've been around a lot. I grew up with that culture, so that's how I learned how to rap, Lin, you know, because I've been around them boys, and they used to walk, like, with me now, I have my book here in my hand. That's the way they would do it as well, so I just... I just started off, at first it was kind of, yeah, a coping mechanism because it did take me out of being in prison. I enjoyed it. We'd always have someone beatboxing like, you know, in the background. It sounds something like that. And then someone would be rapping and we'd all be in groups and it's just a camaraderie. So thing, now in here, do, do you have well. cellmates or are you on yeah, your own? I have a cellmate. You yeah. have a cellmate. I have a cellmate and I have boys on the wing that I all get on with and... Uh, we we have our own little clique and you know we we, we do our thing we were out in the yard we're rapping if we're walking down the landing I'm rapping Tell, and yeah. how do other people then because there's a lot of lads in here I suppose that would they won't admit it but they'd yeah. love to be able to uh, express the emotion that's yeah. very much pent yeah. up inside them yeah, yeah. and how do they perceive then when they see you as being so musical and the, yeah. po the poetry no, they love it you know because they, they, then I, there's so many people that have so many talents in here, Lynn. Like drawing, art. You've seen yourself, Lynn. And, you know, it's like there's there's some wicked tattoo artists in there. There's some people that can graffiti. I wish I could graffiti. I love my street art. And we should have a prison man. collective of artists, shouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. That you yeah. just have when they yeah. get out. Then you have this like you know ex prisoner. Yeah. artist collective like imagine the talent in imagine that. it imagine it uh, and i'll be all for that if you're ever up for that i'll, I'll, I'll love to i think we've just came up with an idea i think we have <laughs> <laughs> you old boys so so yeah. what's your hopes then for when you're out here and with your music my ambition is to just um keep going with the music see where it takes me even as uh i've learned the music class down here is really great the, the music teachers owen and carl i have to give them a shout out yeah, yeah. i shouted you out boys yeah um they, they have, as you see, we have a studio, man. We have a problem. I've made CDs in here, man. Albums, like, it's it's so amazing. I would never have got the chance to do this on the outside. A studio like that would cost me, I've actually paid for a studio once and I got it cheap, man. I got it from a guy, a friend of a friend, and he still charged me 80 quid for one song. What do you, what do you think um, it would mean to introduce... Like when you think of yeah. like yourself when yeah. you were 10, 11, yeah. 12 and things were so difficult for you. Um, 
do you think there's ways we can, you know, really invest in young people at that age Definitely. in terms of talents and music and art and all those 100%. things? 100%. We need things like this, not in prison. We need this out on the street as well. Yeah. Do you know, like if it's something like this in Tala or in where I'm from, like Stonebridge. Take, taking it, yeah. it's sad, isn't it, that yeah. it takes to lose your freedom 100%. to then find some freedom in lyrics and music. And if only that, we could access that 100% so much we earlier. need it for the kids we yeah. need uh, like stuff like this in council estates we need we we need we need it in in the blocks and the, the places where they they need it the most and kids are hanging around the street selling tablets selling doing this doing that why not get them into into a studio express yourself through the music um then you'll find you'll find they're not on the streets anymore because they're doing gigs. They're, they're doing this, they're doing that. They're making albums. They're, they're, they're seeing a better life for themselves. They're making music videos. There's something to do. Instead of selling tablets, they can sit with their mates and rap. It's an activity. And that's where a lot of, a lot, a lot of um, things should be happening like that, you know, in my eyes. Because for the youth especially, and even my age and everything, it's just music's a therapy. And it always will be. And... It's there, it's there, and um, I hope something could be done like that. You yeah. Know? Well, I think maybe Stretch, you'll be the man to do it. You're done, though. Huh? Yeah, done, though. Yeah, Thank done, you. Though. Nice one, Lynn. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Nice one, safe. Yeah? Yeah, see you later, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Time to get technical, mathematical. Don't be on no sabbatical, listen. One plus one is two. When I'm on the mic with my crew, I'm gonna stack it up with you. Number three, it's always been good to me. Cause good things come in trees and you have to believe. Number four, four plus four is eight. Bubble bubbles at the gate and I'm living life, I'm living great. I'm doing well, I'm mathematical genius as you can fucking tell. I'm living life good, you know I'm not spelled. E, L, A, C, M, C, Square, Einstein. I'm a lyrical genius, see it in my mind. I get it every time. Line after line, it's a blind magic number. Call me the prime. I've got a prime number and it's going. Motherfuckers can't believe the way that I'm flowing. Mathematical genius is how I roll. I live life, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But still, I've got the mathematic mind, man. I do it all the time, man. I Santander rhyme. I get real good, cause I know about crime, man. I know about fraud, man. I've been through the lines. Equals. But now you see, I can do maths just quite easy I'm a rapper, I'm a professor on the mic When I'm getting on a hype, man, you know that you lie This a laugh, yeah, you know that it's me Add that shit up, man, now you can see And yeah, and just cause I didn't go to school I mean, I can add it up, I can add it up like this, that I can do that, this, I can take the piss, listen you gotta believe in yourself, you can do what you want. And I just said to someone, give me a random subject, I'll rap about it, and it was maths. Joe is actually a very interesting character. He's, in terms of just his presence in the room, he's he's tall, he's handsome, he's very polite, actually, really polite, and really eager to contribute and participate. And he, yeah, really wants to do well in the world, but is probably a little bit nervous then as well in sitting down and telling people about his life or his hopes and his dreams. But he's getting ready to do university, uh, the open university in the prison, and he seems really determined. And I think his determination is very clear. I mean, he spends a lot of time in the gym 
a lot of time focused on well-being and mental health. And I think, you know, given the right opportunity and the right space, he has so much to offer. And we get a little glimpse into that in our time spent with Joe. He's really polite. Something quiet about him, maybe a little bit quiet. I don't know whether he'd be quiet in his everyday life. He's a quiet, reflective, thoughtful person. And that really comes across in my time with him. I do a lot in the gym. So I used to do, when Governor Murphy was here and Pat Cavanagh, another governor, they were more into that peer-to-peer stuff, so you would walk with people from the segregation unit and bring them to the gym and train them and train them to from that 5k to from couch to 5k and then progress onto a 10 kilometer run. And nobody, they just don't do that anymore. Okay. So there's fellas just sitting in Seg now and they don't know what to do with them. And there's prisoners there willing to. So usually it's just the leadership at the time in terms of who's interested in yeah, what. It depends who has the vision, the vision to, you know. And what, imp- what, what impact do you think that that was having on people? Well, I witnessed it. I've seen, I've seen a fella that was in segregation, very volatile, come out of segregation, start working in a block shop, and then when they just kind of dropped off to help, he fell apart again. So. Okay, so it was having a real obvious impact, yeah. the physical training. Yeah. So then tell me then as well, you have another job in, the, in here, don't you? I'm a barber. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm so a prison barber. The prison barber. Yeah, unofficial. Well, look, we used to have a space to call here, but uh, they took the space off us to turn into a medic station. Okay. So now it's kind of on the landing, so you're kind of in conflict with the officers about here being on the landing, but she walking to do. Okay. And where did you learn how to cut hair? Just from getting bad haircuts. <laughs> and having to fix them? Just having to fix them, yeah. <laughs> Who gave you bad haircuts? Oh, just, uh, I wouldn't name them, but a lot of fellas <laughs> taught you about in prison, yeah. Okay. So a lot of fellas thought they could cut hair and, yeah, butchered. Uh, so t- tell me about the whole hair cutting business then in prison, right? So yeah. you never get people that actually know how to cut hair in. Apart from you've obviously mastered the skill, right? Yeah, well, you just get used to it. Yeah. You just do each other all the time. Is that, is that yeah. how it's always been? Yeah. Right. You would just saw someone. You'd see, there'd be three or four of them on the landing, but you'd find one that would know how to cut your hair. And do you find yourself going around the prison now saying, hey, you, you need a haircut? No, I try to avoid them. <laughs> I try to avoid them. Yeah, and do you just use a razor or do they get... Yeah, a hair machine, proper hair machine. A hair machine. Yeah. Right, and do you get to kind of trade on that? Yeah, but so that's the thing. So you go back to that person going for the small shop order, you would know who can pay you. So like it, it, normal two protein bars. Right. But then like if a fella can't pay, then you just do it for nothing, no? Okay, so you yeah. just, you kind of get a feel for who's in a position to... Yeah, you, to would, you would just, yeah, more or less... So two protein bars for a haircut. Two protein bars for a haircut, prison haircut. Is there any like specialties where you have to get three protein bars for like if you have extra long no, hair? No, there's a lot of fellas going bald and they, they just think you're a magician, but you know yourself. <laughs> they, so the, the, the bald lads want you to actually find a way the to make them look like still hair. They're going very light on top like myself. <laughs> they're just, yeah, years in jail. Yeah, so yeah. they want you to kind of figure out how to how to cover the bald up. Yeah. Yeah. What's it like being uh, uh, like, what's what's vanity like in prison? Because obviously do people like do men, they still want to invest in themselves and feel good about themselves. Yeah. Look, everyone wants to look good, especially in this place. You can if you sit around, you can get depressed, yeah. you know, so people like ac- accessing the gym and you know, playing football. And that's the banter then for the week. The winning team will brag about goals scored and times that they've done on the treadmill. And that's just the community we have, just physically active. 
physically active. Yeah, and I suppose like, you know, it's um, there's still a competitive side to, to to the whole thing, isn't it? Like even though it's banter, it's like you know who can either lift more weights or the, the running or the. Well, it wouldn't you know. really be about lifting the weights. It's just more or less on the times on the treadmill. Okay. So they would stick names up on charts like the who done the best five k or the quickest five k. So you enjoy running. I enjoy running. Yeah. Yeah. What do you get from running? Just relief. Just relieves all that stress and pressure of dealing with the pro war, dealing with psychologists and you know, waiting to move on and you know. Waste away the days tomorrow always seems so far away. But it'll come. Senan is I'd say a little bit younger than myself, so maybe around early thirties. But there was parts of it where he could have been so much younger because he was just yeah, he was just he just had this shyness and this um, loveliness about him that was, uh, you know, it was like this mix of raw man coming in with the shoulders up and then by the end of the interview, just being this young man that, that wanted to be heard. I'll make it easy Will she believe me Will she believe making some stuff in here for your little lad what kind type of stuff I do mosaics it's a toilet I, I have an absolute wardrobe full of mosaics at home <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah my young one's dad absolutely loved uh, using art as a way to um, express, express and continue to show yeah, his yeah. love for his little girl so we have it everywhere at home well, all lovely. the mosaics <laughs> yeah no, uh, so what I'm why I'm telling you that is when you do send that home, yeah. my girl is in her 20s now. And she still and has And she that. still holds that. Yeah, that's great then. Yeah. Well, I wrote my kid letters. Uh, he's only two and a half. Like, well, I'm, I'm telling him, like, obviously his ma's going to read it probably four. So it's up to her whether she ever wants to let him read it. But as I said in the poem to him, I never want to lie to him. So our trust is never broken. So uh, I put everything into him and I've sent him out. So hopefully he reads them now when he's 18. But she's a little memory box there for him. And anything I've sent out, like his first birthday card, she's very good like that. She keeps everything belong to him, you know. So I'm doing fabric as well. I got him a little blue teddy bear when he was first born, a small blue teddy bear. And then for his first birthday, I got him a bigger one. And the second birthday, the COVID kicked in and there was no school. So I'm going to have to make him a bigger blue teddy. But the minute I'm making him a cushion, with, he loves the dog. Uh, I'm after doing a, a teddy bear hold, holding a dog, a puppy. And at the back, it's going to be something fluffy. But it was funny because when I rang her the other day, she was like, like, I know my son inside out. Probably better, like, just as good as she does. And she's with him 24-7. I find out everything. Be through my man, through her and through his nanny. They're very, very good with the kid. And uh, she said to me on the phone, oh, make sure it's fluffy, like something soft. Sure, I knew that already. Like, I just kind of laughed at myself saying, is she for real telling me that? Like, just because I'm locked up, I'm not dead. Like, I know, I know what my kid likes, like, you know. And I already had everything picked out. I had a blue... Uh, cushion at the back of it like yeah. uh, was a fluffy thing it was really really soft it was the first thing I said to you one when she was asked me what fabric I wanted I said something very very soft because he loves like rubbing soft things up to his face since he's born so yeah it was just funny when she said that to me you know how does it feel I'm just keep you, you've said soft a few times right and I think of 
I suppose the experiences that you've had in life that were anything but soft, (laughs) you know, and it does feel it's like I'm looking at you. Um, you know, being drawn to the soft for your son. Just, yeah, when you're saying that, that's you know? funny, yeah, because I was thinking of it. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's a lovely thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I, I like seeing him, like, really cosy and he's really, he's always smiling and all. It makes me happy, you know. I don't ever want him to ever have to go through. I went through it, my dad, so I'm going to be there for him. Is that why you don't ever want to lie to him? Because you feel you yeah, can't trust your yeah, dad? Yeah, it's very, it's very difficult and I don't ever want my son not trust me because if he ever has a problem I want them to be able to come up and say no matter how big or small if he's wrong or right I want them to be able to come up and trust me and I'm not going to give out to him I want them to understand that I'm here to help him and get him through life you know and you teach him how to play pill <laughs> I think we're all born with that uh, to like to me, me two brothers as well so I, I reckon my son will pick it up himself but obviously I'm going to bring him down and show him a few things I don't know if I'm as good as I, as I was but I was only getting to me, Pete, I was only getting better, like, and I stopped, so, yeah, it's, it's great, it's a, it's a good thing to get by jail as well, because you meet a lot of different people, they become your friend when they know you can play, and then when you beat them, and you keep beating them, they end up hating you, <laughs> I had a load of friends in here, and then they started barring, barring me from the table, it was a five game rule, and I was breaking and finishing every game, they're like, we didn't get a shot, I'm setting them up again, and then break and finish again, you know what, fuck you, <laughs> they'd be telling me the officers looking for me down the bottom of the landing, just to get rid of me, so it's, uh, it's funny, like, they'd be my friends, one week and then the following week they play me in pool and that's it. Uh, is that an ego thing do you think or? I have to let some of them win in here just to keep them happy or give them I say if I'm beating them and they're the height of it I say my god he's that pool in his hand he's going to give me a bang of it I'd say here look I'll give you that <laughs> I'll give you the game when I win yeah no, that's gonna, I'm only joking saying you give me a bang but I mean mates like you know yeah. but just trying to be funny here but I, I'd say here look if I win I'll give you the game like I'd be only on the table, I'd only get one game and I'd be beating them. I'd be like, fuck's sake, why are you even playing? It's not fun playing against you. I'd say, here, if I, if I beat you, when I beat you, I'll give you the cue. You can play on, so they'd be happy then, you know? Right, he doesn't want to record it. No, nah, I want you to hear the force. Right, yeah, I don't on. know if it's going to be any good or anything, but... Uh, well, of course it's good. It's from the heart, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's real life stuff, like, you I know. know. Yeah. And uh, it's stuff about my ex-girlfriend having a kid and all, and yeah. having to leave him and all coming in here. Yeah. And my dad having an addiction. He's on heroin 15 okay. years, like, and I'm in here now, man. Yeah. Yeah, right, so it's... Uh, the head is what it's like to have an addiction and living with it. Looking back at my childhood when I was a kid, reminiscing the days of everything I did, don't worry, I'm going to tell you my journey in confidence and in style, get a coffee, put your feet up, because this may take a while. I'd have scabs up my nose from sniffing for days, waiting for the phone to ring or a knock from the shades. The life I was living had me suicidal and depressed. I think this was God's way of putting me to the test. It was sentencing day and I got four years. I was shocked and confused and just full of tears. Eyes all bloodshot, rash under my nose, 20 quid in my pocket and a small bag of clothes. As we pulled up to the prison and drove through the gates, loyalty and respect, all I had was faith. No one who was inside and didn't have me back. Loyalty was the last thing I thought my friends would lack. Forced day in prison and being on my own, depressed from addiction, I was skin and bone. Being on protection was no way of living, so I packed up my shit and went to Weefield Prison. They started many fights with me because I wasn't a dub. Little did they know fighting was the thing I loved. Then they get bet and call all their mates. They fell every one of them, just like all the greats. I'm in this place nearly two years, walking around all confident, no longer a man in fear. Thinking they could beat me until they got a punch, all big men until it came to the crunch. I've been jumped by many and tacked with a blade, but I've a lot of enemies, but a lot of friends made. 
flat out training, trying to get big in a while now and haven't touched a thing. I look fresh and I'm feeling great when all I need was love and faith. I manned up and came to prison, changed my life and played the system. As I watch lads come and go every single day, hoping that be me soon, all I can do is pray. As days go by and time goes slow, I'm biding my time and going with the flow. Makes me so happy thinking about my son, so I've chose the family life and I've put down the gun. Gangster films, rappers were a bad influence. We were teens, coke gun violence every night. It was just crazy scenes. As the days go on and I feel all alone, I walk down the land and pick up the phone. I try to start my day positive and make my call when I know deep down I build myself for a fall. I ring home and I find out my dad's not doing well. It has me anxious and annoyed as I return to myself. Where I sit in frustration and very sad. I think of my child playing pool with my dad. The love I felt for him was like no other, but it was never really me. It was him and my brother. So I went down the wrong road and ended up in courts. Dad went on heroin and thought it was all a game. Now he's lost his family and only he's to blame. I followed him one day and tried to catch him out. He knew I was behind him when he let out a shout. He said, go home and stop following me son. Frightened and alone, all I could do was run. Out of Brenton crying as I would open my door, run to my dog Blackie and just lay on the floor. I'd cry and talk to him, asking him to help. I know he would if he could, because he knew how I felt. Blackie was my best friend and all I really had. Now looking back at it all, it makes me very sad. I had nobody really to talk to about all this shit. I had problem after problem, a big fucking list. As he gets older, he's now 52. He would want to pull his socks up. He's a lot of making up to do. He just won't stop and he won't get clean. He's promising he will since he was only 15. Anything he says, you know you can't believe. Begging him for the truth will nearly on my knees. Excuses after excuses, lies after lies, promises and promises till the day he does. This is something I never want to do, so from day one my son can trust me because I'll always tell the truth. I met a gorgeous girl when I was age 23, I had only beauty I could see. She was my best friend and soulmate all in one. We had lots of problems, but we had more fun. We drove to the beach and then she robbed me car. She spun the wheels in four gear. she didn't get far. She jumped out laughing while taking a photograph. We were stuck in the sand. All we do is laugh. It was by far the prettiest girl I ever seen. I was hoping one day to marry her and make that girl my queen. But as time went on and I got locked up, I'd done everything she asked of me and she didn't give a fuck. I didn't think she would leave me, but she really has. It brings back bad memories like that time with me dad. When you love someone so much and you won't let go, I wanted what was best for her, so we just went with the flow. She was a lovely girl and had my best interest at heart. I really should have treated her right because I knew this from the start. If she finds love again, she'll work and I do, I just hope he's the right one and makes her dreams come true. As much as I miss her and think of us together, out walking buddy in that lovely sunny weather. We had lots of arguments, we had lots of fun, I don't regret a single thing, we made a gorgeous son. So as time goes on and COVID kicked in, I soldiered on and didn't let the system win. Everything I ever wanted in life and coming for it all, as I'm in a good headspace, standing confident and tall. So hurry up and roll on the day I am released so everyone can witness the beauty in this beast. <laughs> Is it good, yeah? It's amazing. Yeah, I, it, that took me a... Uh, Two days or something, right? It's a whole life story yeah. in a in a it's a fucking it's amazing. Conversations on the Margins is a limited series podcast produced by me, Lynn Rowan and the team at Alfonso Films in partnership with Go Loud and funded by the Rhone Trust with the support of the IPS and Governor Eddie Mullins. Sound and location was recorded by Dave Fannin and Rob Moore with editing and sound design by Kieran O'Connor. The music used in this series is written and performed by students in the Educational Centre in Weefield Prison. I would also like to thank the principal and teachers in the Education Centre of Weefield Prison for facilitating this podcast and for all your support. Finally, and most importantly, I would like to thank each and every one of the men who sat down with me, opened up and had a very real conversation. I know it wasn't easy, but I'm very grateful. You'll find Conversations on the Margins first every Tuesday on the Go Loud app and all major podcast platforms too.